as we do seek to make those words true, I want to know you, Jesus, we turn our attention to God's word, that as the ways in which God has revealed himself, we turn our attention to the scriptures, that we might learn and know God better. I invite you today to open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 8. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 12. Um, Nehemiah comes before the Psalms. It's in the period in scripture um, where the people are coming back from exile. And so it's before the Psalms, which is about in the middle. So if you start going to the left, I know that people grow up with different different songs to help them memorize the books of the Bible. I never had any of those, but I made up my own as I went. And for some reason, um, the probably because the... Um, the Bounty Paper Towel commercial was really popular at the time. I remember these books by saying, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. So, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. You'll find Nehemiah chapter 8. And one thing that I know as we, as we turn our attention to both the discipline of celebration it'll feel like we go back a little bit to the discipline of scripture reading. And this is right and good and makes sense. They're all kind of linked together. But also, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, is a very popular verse. I can think of three different sanctuaries that I have seen where Nehemiah 8, 10 is posted somewhere. Either um, two, actually where both churches have the organ on the right side, it must have just been the right way to do it, um, a plaque or a big wooden inscription, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I've seen it in art, I've seen it in different sanctuaries, the joy of the Lord is your strength, Nehemiah 8.10. And I'll admit that for years, I wasn't actually sure the story that that verse came out of. Today, as we talk about discipline, of the discipline of celebration, we're going to turn our attention to the story in Nehemiah 8 that produced that verse. So pay attention to what brings about those words to be spoken, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Two other things to pay attention to as you read God's word. One, always a good idea, pay attention to repetition. Are there phrases that get used again? Because those are inviting us to pay attention in a certain way. But ultimately, as we go through the whole section that we go through this morning, wonder this. How do people react to the reading of God's word? How do people react to it? Because there's a progression of reactions to the reading of God's word that happens in Nehemiah 8. And so I invite you as we go through to pay attention to those, to notice them, and also to notice who God's word is for. But before we do so, let's pray together. God, in a world that can blow us about, can keep us busy and on our feet, going from one thing to the next, we ask that by your Holy Spirit we may be well-grounded well-grounded and stable and secure in your word. And that even as the world moves around us at a fast pace, that as we read your word, may you move within us. Stir our hearts as we read the people's journey in Nehemiah. And as we consider what this means for us today, may their reactions be our reactions. For you, O God, are the same. Your Holy Spirit remains the same. And so we ask that you change us in your word. Change us, even as we are grounded in it, 
May we be shaped and formed more into your likeness, O Christ. Amen. Nehemiah 8, another chapter and subheading ends at kind of a weird spot, but we're just going to start at the beginning of the sentence, which in your Bibles is right before the big number 8 for chapter 8 of Nehemiah. And we'll read to verse 12, and at the end we'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you celebrate the gift of God's word, I invite you to respond with, thanks be to God. Nehemiah chapter 8. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maaseiah. And on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Malchijah, Hashem, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Maaseiah, Kelita, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What are the reactions that happen throughout this chapter? What are the reactions that people have to God's word? And to set the stage a little bit, something like this had not happened for quite some time. So there was an eagerness and a yearning to spend time together in God's word. And what are the reactions? And and who was this intended for? 
One of the first repetitions in this chapter is that it's the men, the women, and all who are able to understand. Meaning, if you are a child who's old enough to know what words mean, then this is for you. If you're old enough to understand, then listen up. This is for the whole assembly to be invited into. For all who could understand are invited to hear the reading of the book of the law. It's for the whole community to be built up and to share together. This is not quite the me, my Bible, and my guitar out in the woods somewhere. This is the whole assembly of God's people gathering together to worship and to hear and to listen and to have teaching and explanation given as the people hear the word of the Lord. And how do they respond? How do they respond here when this has been something that has not happened for a long time? Something that they can't take for granted. Maybe the way that we can take for granted. Because this is something that has been longed for, we see already in verse 3 that the people listened attentively to the book of the law. There was attention. There was no other distractions. There was time set aside for them to listen and to hear. There is attention. And then in verse 5, we have um, probably the first example of a pulpit given where Ezra is reading from the book, and he was above them so everybody could both see and hear. But as he opened the book, we're told in verse 5, the people all stood up. And this was out of reverence. They're already listening attentively, but there's also an element of reverence that's given. This is reverent attention, saying, hey, no distractions, nothing else to do. We're zoned in on this. And they say, amen, amen, meaning true, truly. They listen attentively. They stand in reverence. And they affirm that what they are hearing is true and foundational. And then, in verse 6, then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is a continuation of the reverence that the community has as they, as they hear God's word. But, but this is actually where we're making a turning point from standing attentively with, with an eager reverence to, to bowing down and worshiping out of a repentant reverence. And we understand from having heard the rest of the verses, this is a turn towards repentance. This might be where the people are feeling more stick than carrot at this point. They were eager, they were drawn in, the carrot part, it drew them in to listen. They listened attentively, they stood, they were eager. But now they're bowing down and worshiping. And there's a matter of repentance and even grief that overtakes the assembly of God's people as they listen to the word. They read the book of the law of God, verse 8, making it clear and giving meaning so the people understood what was being read. And in that time of reading and listening and hearing and teaching and understanding and doing so together, learning from one another, learning from the Levites. And man, there is a lot of names to list off if you read this chapter out loud. So have fun if you don't have to read it out loud in front of a large group of people. But what happens next is that they understood what was being read. It convicted their hearts. And it reaffirmed that it was worthy of their attention. Amen, amen. This is true. This is true truth. And it makes them worship and also repent. And then Nehemiah, the governor, 
Ezra, who is the priest, the teacher of the law, and the Levites. This is where we get Nehemiah's famous verse. The people have been weeping. And they're told, do not mourn or weep. But they have been weeping as they listen to the law. For two reasons, so far as we know and understand this passage well. The first is that this has been such a long time coming that they can do this. This is not, well, if I miss this Sunday, it'll be fine. I'll catch another one. This is a a pinnacle event in their lives. So some of the weeping is the joy that this is even happening. It's almost surreal to some of the Israelites. This is not unlike um, earlier last fall when we heard an update from Words of Hope. When, when they gather people who cannot worship in their countries and they, and they get them out and they can worship with other Christians, there is weeping because it is surreal to spend time together in God's word, to be attentive in all these ways. And it is a celebrated thing. There is a discipline of celebration that takes place and there is certainly weeping. There is joy. One reason is the weeping for joy. And the other is conviction. The other is hearing the word of the law and knowing I've got some sin in my life. There's weeping based out of conviction and not showmanship, not putting on a show for display, but there is conviction that produces tears. Tears that come from our heart because as God moves, we are moved. And so they are weeping. Joy, attention, seeking to understand, and reverent. And now weeping and repentant. And then Nehemiah says, go, enjoy choice choice food and sweet drink and send some to those who have nothing prepared. Nehemiah takes this moment of worship and says, hey, wait, I know we're all crying now. It's been a day. Let's turn towards celebration. Go have good food. Go have a good drink. This day is holy to our Lord. And so the first of the twice repeated, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Meaning we have, we have studied God's word together. We've been attentive. It has changed us. It has gotten our attention. And now Nehemiah is saying, don't stay in your weeping. Don't, don't stay there. Don't, don't be restricted by this. Go and celebrate what has happened. And go celebrate the fruit of repentance that comes from this event. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not grieve. This is where the discipline of celebration we see clearly in Nehemiah 8 is not something that comes from nowhere. But true celebration as a spiritual discipline, if you want to experience joy, it's grounded first in scripture and in prayer and in community. This celebration is where our repentance turns to rejoicing. Where repentance turns to rejoicing, there is celebration. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And and Nehemiah wants to make sure that celebration for the community is everybody. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. Take care of your neighbor. Starts to sound like what Jesus will re-sum up the law again by love your neighbor as yourself. And as the people have been weeping, as they've gone to probably the longest church service of their lives, that might produce some tears too, but we have pretty comfy pews. As, they've, as they are in this moment, Nehemiah says, go and celebrate. 
have a bacon-wrapped filet mignon and a nice glass of wine. Go, enjoy choice food and sweet drink. Although these are Israelites who can't eat pork, so there's no bacon wrapped on the filet mignon. But you get the idea. This is not about restriction. God's version of celebration for us is not some tame and boring, feel bad about yourself kind of event. God's discipline of celebration that we are invited to is a party for the community, and there is joy. And yes, there is grieving. Yes, there is loss that has happened. And there's plenty of sadness in the world. But the discipline of celebration is to say, take your repentance and celebrate the fruit of it and what God has done. Let your repentance turn into rejoicing. Let your, let your weeping and tears turn to laughter and joy. Make that turn. And this is a discipline that we are invited into. To make the joy of the Lord our strength. We're told sometimes that laughter can be the best medicine. And certainly, sometimes laughter is the only medicine that we can handle. Especially when it comes out of weeping. Laughter can also keep us from taking ourselves too seriously. Where Nehemiah says, you know what, we have been attentive to God's word. We need to celebrate and have a party now. It keeps us from taking ourselves too seriously. If you were to ask me what my true purpose in life is, it's to tell stories and make jokes. Because I don't want us to take ourselves too seriously. God tells us stories. And God definitely has a sense of humor. And we can emulate that. It doesn't mean that celebration means the absence of pain. I would say at a funeral, we do grieve. And we also celebrate. And be mindful that we're not celebrating just the great triumphs of someone's life. But ultimately, at a Christian funeral, our celebration, even in that setting of grief and loss... Our celebration is that of what Christ has already done for us. The celebration of life is Christ's life within us, which is on this side of heaven and on the next. Celebration of life can coexist with grief, but Nehemiah invites the turn to be made. From repentance to rejoicing, from fasting to feasting, from conviction to celebrating comfort. Now, I know for us, in, in our modern day, comfort, we often, I mean, I think of like sweatpants. Like if you say comfort and we do word association, I think sweatpants, comfy clothes. And I think there's something to that. But let's make sure that just as celebration needs to be deeper than just surface level, the comfort that we need is to remember that the assurance of forgiveness of sins and promise of eternal life, that's a comfort that goes beyond our creature comforts, but to the depth of our soul. I do think in the spirit of what Nehemiah asks, yeah, sure, have a nice steak, wear your sweatpants, celebrate comfort in all of those ways. Celebration is a discipline, though. Surprisingly, maybe ironically, we actually need to work at it a little bit. And this is where maybe we as church-going Christian folks can get a bad rap, that, that we must be boring types, right? Because, you know, celebrations can get out of hand, Protestants need to be, you know, well-behaved. Friends who are Catholic friends would say, yep, we got Catholic guilt. Don't worry, we've got our version of that too. Don't celebrate too hard. Don't get out of hand. But that's where we need to remember where we see this celebration happening. Nehemiah invites this party and celebration to come after the people have centered themselves on God's word. Our version of celebration comes out of attention to Scripture. Scripture 
And so there is a reason that we save this discipline for the last week. Because scripture reading and prayer kind of have to be in place if we're to really grasp the type of celebration and joy that God invites us into. Friends at North Holland, I see us doing this in different ways. There's celebration of men's chorus and singing this morning. There's celebration at the lip sync battle when we perform well and laugh hard and judge unfairly. (laughs) And yet, isn't that part of the point? Because the foundation of how we're going to handle money and do things well is already in place. Following the law is already there. And so the playfulness that comes out of such an event leads to joy and celebration. And it's something that we share together. Just as in Nehemiah, this is a shared event. We share the joy together. And it builds within us because of that. And so friends, make sure that you do have a life that has celebrations within it. Because if it's a life without celebration, then you're going to be the type of person who lives all stick and no carrot. And even as we go into Lent, I think Lent is a time to say, God, I actually need you to poke me a little bit. I need you to get me into action where I know I need to get into action. Or I need you to wake me up where I've been sleepy. But also as you think about Lent, as Ash Wednesday comes this week, I want you to think about what would I give up? What would I fast from in Lent? What would I discipline myself towards? And yeah, there might be some stick to that. Say, God, wake me up, shake me up, move me around. But also, what's the vision? Are you giving up something for Lent or trying to do something because you've got something to prove to yourself or to those around you? Or is it because the vision, the carrot in all of this, as far as carrot and stick goes, the carrot of this is I want to have a deeper relationship with Christ and a fuller celebration of Easter Sunday. If you give something up, if you give up alcohol, I'm not saying get drunk on Easter. That is not the point. (laughs) But the point might be, what can you say, what do I really need in life for joy, for peace? For relaxation. I need God's Holy Spirit within me. You discipline yourself to read scripture daily. Celebrate what you learned. Not that you're checking it off the box. Celebrate what you've learned, that you have a better understanding of God's word. And don't beat yourself up when you miss a day. And don't make it a slavish thing that you have to keep up on a certain plan. But rather, be motivated by what am I learning from this? How have I changed my habits for 40 days and 6 Sundays that my celebration of Easter can be greater? Friends, celebration has to shape and form what we want to do for Lent. Because it's not really about Lent. It's about Easter. And for Easter Sunday, that's the carrot. There should be no greater day of celebration in Christ's church than when we gather for Easter to celebrate the resurrection. It is the carrot for us. And so whatever you need to do to apply yourself to this disciplined grace, to build habits into your lives for a greater celebration of Easter, may it be so. And may Easter be be a joyous occasion with it. May our repentance turn to rejoicing. May our fasting happen that our fasting may turn to feasting. May our conviction turn to comfort. And in all of this, may we be people who are grounded in God's word, in God's truth, and may we celebrate it well.
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you did not invite us into a life that would be boring or constantly sad or down on ourselves. But you invite us into conviction for the purpose that we might truly know your comfort. You invite us to give up part of ourselves so that we can make more room for you. And in all of this, may we celebrate the life that you have given us through your Son, Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, but through your Holy Spirit daily to renew and cleanse us. May we have a vision of what walking in step with you would be, O God. And may we carrot and stick our habits so that we can walk in step with you and to know the true fullness of life. And that in that we might find deep joy, deep laughter, tears of celebration. And when this is all said and done, may the joy that you have for us be our strength. May your joy be our strength, O God. Throughout Lent, leading us to Easter Sunday, but throughout all seasons of life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.